Welcome. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Uh, we're getting ready to uh, launch into Father's Day. Father's Day is coming to a house near you on uh, June the 19th. So just a, a warning for all of you guys to remember that, uh, that Father's Day is on the way. So uh, we finished up our series in Haggai last week, and we're going to do a uh, five-part series on uh, men. And we've entitled it, Calling All Men, as you uh, saw a minute ago in the, uh, in the video. Now, having said that, uh, let me make a couple of statements. Just because uh, the, uh, the series is entitled Calling All Men, uh, that doesn't mean if you're a teenage guy that it's okay to put your mind in neutral and not listen, because hopefully you will become a man before long and you will need the kind of stuff we're going to be talking about. Uh, also, uh, ladies, that doesn't mean because the title of the series is Calling All Men that that means that you get to put your minds in neutral and uh, not, you know, worry about listening to anything that's going to be in this series until we finish the series, uh, really for several reasons, because uh, any of the, the young ladies uh, that are here, uh, you need to understand what a, a man of faith looks like, uh, to where you can hopefully uh, be sure that's the type of person that you allow to pursue you, instead of someone that just lives a very frivolous life. Uh, you need to have someone pursuing you that is a, a person of faith. Some of the ladies here, uh, maybe you're still looking for that man of faith. Uh, maybe you have, haven't been married yet, or maybe you are, uh, uh, you have been through a divorce or whatever, and you're trying to uh, uh, follow God's leadership. You need to understand these things, too, that we're going to be talking about so you know what type of man to look for. And, uh, and ladies, all of you that are married, uh, you need to listen and take notes so you can hold your husband accountable, Okay. Now, guys, did you hear what I just did to you? So, so that means that, that you guys better be listening close through this series and taking some notes because all those categories of people I just mentioned, they're going to be watching you. And they should because if you're a Christian man, they need to expect something from your life. They need to expect to be able to look at you and you be a, a, a man of faith. And that's why we're talking to men in, in this series that we work our way towards Father's Day. In this series, we're going to look at Abraham. We're not going to do a verse-by-verse study of uh, Abraham. In other words, a whole character study of him. We couldn't do that in five weeks anyway. So what I'm going to do is pull out some components or some stories uh, from Abraham's life and us trying to learn some lessons from his life. To me, it makes sense that we do that uh, because before his name became Abraham, his name was Abram, and uh, that name really just means father. And then when uh, God uh, calls him and God eventually changes his name to Abraham, uh, that means populous or, or father of a multitude. <clears throat> so it makes sense to me that maybe we ought to look at someone whose name was father or father of a multitude as we do this series on calling all men. Uh, most of you understand this. The, the Jews refer to him as Father Abraham. Uh, as Christians, we trace our lineage also back uh, to, to Abraham. Uh, because he gives that example of a, of, of a father, um, and, and God called him to that. The strange thing is, as you'll see as we get in the message, it looked like it was completely impossible that he would be a father if it wasn't for God doing some things uh, in, his, uh, in his life. So today we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about uh, taking your family with you, by faith taking your family with you. By definition of a father, that means you have a family if you are a father. So you need to be concerned about that family that God's given you, and you need to be on a faith journey yourself, but you need to be taking your family on that faith journey that God has called you to. We're going to look at verse 1 through 6 of Genesis chapter 12 and, uh, and see if we can gain some, uh, some things there about a, a faith uh, journey. Do you have those verses? Did you run by those there? The verses should be in front of that. Are they there? Okay, all right, never mind. We'll read the verses as we go. If you got them in your Bible, I thought they were all listed uh, there at one time, but we'll list them as we go. So as we try and look at some fatherly lessons from Abraham's life, the first thing is this. We, we need to hear the call of God. 
If you're going to be the man that God wants you to be, if you're going to be the father that God wants you to be, you need to be listening to God's voice. You need to hear his call. And uh, we're going to see that that's true of uh, Abraham, that Abraham really gives us a, a grand picture of someone that's following God uh, by faith, an illustration of somebody following God by faith. And uh, we'll see three calls there in, in, in just a moment. Uh, let, me, uh, let me read those verses to you together before we look at those individual uh, calls. If you have your Bible in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 6. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred, And your father's house to the land that I'll show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, some translations say curses you, uh, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Then they came to the land of Canaan, or when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Mori. Uh, at that time, the Canaanites were in in the land. So uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 to start with underneath that topic of hearing the call uh, of God. By faith, as we look at Abraham's story, we can see something that we need to do still yet. By faith, we need to leave the life that we have known. We need to leave the life that, that you know by faith. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from the country and your kindred and your father's house. Uh, when you look at that phrase in the Hebrew, it's saying, you know, go from your land, of course, from your country. But it also literally means go from your nativity, go from your, your lineage, uh, go from the place where you were begotten. Uh, Abram is 75 years old at this point. And, uh, and he's been told to leave uh, his past behind. He's been told to step out on faith and go somewhere else. And when we answer God's call upon our life, that's going to be a component that's involved in us answering God's call. And when God calls us because of our flesh, because of the way the world is, because of the choices we made in life, when God calls us, most of the time that call is going to mean you need to step out and leave some things behind. That was very true in my life when I came to know Christ. How about yours? There were things there that you needed to turn your back on. There were things that you needed to leave behind and, and step forward by faith if you're going to answer God's call. Answering God's call means there's things that we need to walk away from. Abram was walking away from a land of idols. He, he grew up in the, in the Ur of the Chaldeans. It was a place of idol worship. You know, that, that's one strange thing that gets me uh, also about people that want to uh, trace their lineage back to Abram, especially the Jews, because they look down on anyone that's a Gentile. What was Abraham to begin with? He was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew to begin with. He was a Gentile. God reached down into a heathen land where they were worshiping idols, and God called him to come out and follow him. And in the process of leaving to follow God, he's walking away from those things that he had grew up around all the way up until old age. He's walking away from those things. When you study what that meant in that culture in that day and time, when he walked away, he also walked away from the inheritance of the lands that had belonged to his family. Because that was part of his inheritance. So as he listens to this God, by the way, that he had never heard about before, that he didn't know anything about, that he did not even fully know where God was sending him, as he listened to this God to step out on faith, he's leaving behind a lot of things that he was very, very familiar with. Spiritually speaking, apply that to our lives for a minute. I did a little bit just a moment ago. The land of our nativity, guess what it was, spiritually speaking? It was sin, wasn't it? We were in bondage to, to sin. That was our nativity. That's who we are natively speaking, because Adam sinned. The Bible tells us that we by nature become sinners. So so you and I, by our very nature, our nativity was sin itself. 
And when we hear God's call to follow him by faith, when we hear God's call to uh, trust in Jesus and step out on faith and follow him, that means that there's some, some things also that we need to, to leave behind. If we desire to be the men, the fathers that God desires, we have to hear God's call and be willing to leave some things if we're going to follow God. Because if you bring some of those things with you, it's going to hinder you on the pathway that God wants you to be on, for you to be really the man and the father that God wants you to be. Not only do we need to leave some things behind, some things from our life that we knew, that we were very familiar with, by faith we also need to do this. By faith we need to go where God shows us. We need to go and step out by faith where God shows. He said, leave all that you knew and go to the land that I will show you. See, walking away kind of gives us a picture of repentance. That, that's what repentance really is. We understand that what God says is right uh, about our sin, and uh, we agree with God, and we turn from all of our excuses, and, and, we, and we walk away. But repentance by itself is not sufficient. Repentance by itself is just walking away from something. See, we also need to have faith and exercise faith in God, exercise faith in Christ. Because without exercising faith, repentance falls short of really answering God's call to your life. All you've done is walk away from something and you've not embraced something, you've not walked to something in faith. So when we trusted Christ as our Savior, repentance is saying, yes, I agree that I'm a sinner, but then faith is walking toward Jesus for us to embrace the gospel, for us to trust in him. And we see a picture of Abraham. He gives us an illustration of him doing that as he leaves the place that he had grew up, all that he was familiar with, and he walks away and he goes forward to follow God. He, he's following him, and, and you need to catch this, he's following him without full sight. And as I said a moment ago, when Abram heard God's call, because he'd been in this place of idol worship, he didn't know who God was not the true and the living God. And God speaks to him. And God tells him, I want you to go to someplace I'm going to show you. That's all God told him as far as we know, as far as what the Bible tells us. God didn't tell him everything that he was going to experience along the way. God didn't even tell him for sure where his ultimate destination is, where he's going to take him. God just said, I want you to believe me. I want you to step out on faith. And I want you to go to the place that I'm going to show you. So that gives us a really good picture of the way we ought to follow God and the way we ought to believe in God ourselves. Because you see, to fully answer the call to be the men and the fathers that God desires, we need to hear God and we need to go wherever it is he leads us. Not just dads, but all of us. We need to follow God by faith, day by day and moment by moment. We're to hear God and respond to following what God says. You see, real, a real picture of faith, true faith in God follows God without question, and it follows God without fully understanding the full consequences, our faith is to be in God, not in our own abilities, abilities to evaluate what God is saying. And I'm afraid that trips us up a lot. You can, you know, someone will say, well, how do I know God's will? Right here, read it a little bit, you know? This is a communicated will of God to us. And yet sometimes we'll be confronted with God's will, and it's like we think we've got an option to vote upon God's will. It's like we've got an option to decide whether or not we're going to say yes to what God has said, the almighty, powerful God of the universe. It's as though we should evaluate ourselves whether we think we ought to respond to the call of God. But you see, that's not real faith in God. If I'm trusting in my ability to evaluate what God has said, whether I ought to respond to it or not, do you realize who I'm ultimately putting my faith in? I'm putting my faith in myself, in my own ability to evaluate whether I ought to do what God has said, instead of putting my faith in God. Putting my faith fully in God means that I ignore my emotions, I ignore my personal ability to evaluate whether I ought to do it or not, and I just look at Him, and I listen to what He said, and I step out on faith. Instead of me trying to evaluate myself, because if I'm trusting in my ability to evaluate, my faith's in me instead of in God. If I'm trying to depend upon my ability to evaluate where God is telling me that, that I need to go. Calvin said this in his commentaries when I was studying for the series. Um, and, and it's a really good statement. I posted it up in Facebook uh, this week, reposted it. But he said this, Calvin did, concerning Genesis 12.1. 
He said, for it is better with closed eyes to follow God as our guide than by relying on our own prudence to wander through those circuitous paths which it devises for us. We, we think a lot of times if we just follow our own wisdom, if we follow our own prudence, if we follow our own perception of things, then we'll be okay. But you see, we don't have the full story. We're not all-knowing like God is all-knowing. And for me to decide just to follow the pathway that I choose on my own mind, I've tried it before, and you've tried it before, if you'd admit to it, it doesn't work out too well a lot of times, does it? It puts us on a pathway to where sometimes we just repeat the same old, same old, same old. Same mistakes. These paths that we're following because it's based on our own prudence and our own wisdom. Calvin said it'd be better for us to blindly follow God with closed eyes, put our trust in him and let God be our own guide. Because if we're following what God tells us, if we're allowing God to guide us and and lead us by the hand, that's a picture of faith. Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 about Abraham. It said, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I've used this before in talking about Abraham over the years past when that happened to be a a topic in the message. Uh, Have you ever thought about putting yourself in Abraham's shoes for a minute? You hear from a God you don't know anything about. He tells you to leave your homeland, to leave everything that you know and go to a place that he's going to show you. How do you unpack that for your friends and your family? See, you, you go and you start to explain to them, well, God's, God's called me, he's told me to leave from here. What God are you talking about, they might ask. Well, uh, is this God that says he's the true and the living God? And he spoke to me, and I, 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 I really can't tell you much beyond that. And, and, and then to say, well, okay, but where are you moving to? Well, you see, I don't know that either. He just told me to, to follow him, and he'll take me to a place that he's going to show me. Now, if some of you were to decide to tell your family that, that you're moving, and this unknown God had talked to you, and he's taking you to a place that you don't know where you're going, your family would think you'd lost it. Amen? They would call the loony bin to come pick you up. But, but Abraham steps out on faith, believe in what God had called him to. See, by, by faith, we need to hear God. If you want to be the man, if you want to be the father, if we want to be the Christians we ought to be, we need to hear God. We, we need to listen to what God tells us. And, and God's going to tell us there's some things we need to leave behind as we follow him, because we don't need to bring the old junk that we had with us in the past as we follow him. He's going to tell us that we need to go to a place that he's showing us. And he doesn't give us the full picture. When God called me to ministry years ago, he didn't show me everything that would take place. If he showed me everything that would take place, I would have thrown my hands up and said, forget it, God. I'm not going to do that. Because you see, it's not all good. You recognize that? And it probably wasn't all good for Abraham. We know that from his own story. So if God had shown him everything that he was going to face, Abraham, I said, God, I don't think I'm going to do that. But he leads us by faith. We need to be willing to step forward, follow him, even when we don't know the consequences, even when we don't know completely where it's going to lead us, we need to follow him by faith. But also hearing God and following him by faith involves this. It involves by faith believing the promises of God. To be the men, to be the fathers, to to be the Christians that we need to be, we need to believe God's promises and act upon God's promises. The Bible says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In those two verses, there are four main promises that God makes to Abram, who becomes Abraham. The first promise is this. Next slide. He gives a promise of fatherhood. 
a promise of fatherhood. When he says, I will make of you a great nation, in order for that to happen, guess what else has to happen? Abraham and Sarah, who had no children, have to have a a child. And for it to be completely his bloodline and his lineage, they've got to have a male child in order for that to happen. Will you think how motivating that promise would have been for Abram? Because in that day and time, it's even more more powerful than it is now. In that culture, if, if you didn't have someone to carry on your family name, it was almost like you were cursed by God for some reason. It was a very negative thing not to have any children because they looked at it as though, man, you must have done something really bad and God must be against you for some reason. And it was, had this huge stigma attached to it if you didn't have any, any children. So here you have Abram at 75 years old, God telling him, I'm going to make a mighty nation out of you, which included you're going to have a child. Don't you think that would have been pretty motivating for a 75-year-old guy that would really, really love to have a son? That that would know that his inheritance was going to go forward? For for him to accept and believe what God was telling him by faith? Because you see, that was a huge step of faith. Think about how big that step of faith was for Abraham to believe God and step out to follow him when one of the promises is this. I'm going to take you, even though you're as good as dead, And I'm going to take your wife in old age, and I'm going to bring a great nation from you. And he didn't even have any children. Man, that's a huge leap of faith for him to believe what God was promising him. But God makes him that promise of fatherhood, and he believed it. Hebrews 11 also tells us this. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. So she considered him faithful who had promised God. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many of the stars of heaven in as many uh, as innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Now, all I want to point out to us guys, to the men and to all of us as Christians is simply this. That's the kind of faith that we need. Abraham believed against what seemed to be impossible. That that he could be a father, that he could have a son, that a mighty nation is going to be called out from him. It would look like it was a very impossible thing, but he believed that promise. He accepted it by faith. And guys, we'll never be fully who God wants us to be until we get to the point that we believe the improbable. Until we get to the point that we believe God and we accept God's word over what seems impossible, that we believe in him, that we trust in him. Second promise he was given was a promise of legacy, a promise of legacy. Because God told Abram, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, the word that's used there for blessed most of the time is used from the standpoint of somebody blessing God. From the standpoint of someone kneeling before God, bowing before God, raising their hands before God, and and you're blessing God, you're worshiping God, is the way that word is used the majority of of the time, to, to kneel and bless God. But here, the same word that's used for kneeling and blessing God is used to talk about God blessing Abram. So you've got a picture of the God of all the universe, the God that's holy, holy, holy. You have a picture of that God condescending and reaching down to where this worshiper of idols was in a place called the Ur of Chaldees and making a promise to him that if you'll follow me and go to a place that I'm going to show you, I'm going to make a mighty nation of you. You'll have more offspring than the stars of heaven and the sand along the seashore. If you'll step out on faith and follow me, you have a picture of God bending down to bless Abram. And in turn, as he he bends down to bless Abram, the legacy also was this. He said, I will bless you. He said, back up, please. He said, I will bless you and make your name great. But notice the second part of it. So that you will be a blessing. Think about the legacy that's being promised to this whole man that didn't think he was going to have any legacy. 
He, he said, I'm going to make a mighty nation of you. He, he said, your name's going to be great. In other words, people will know your name and think about your name. Think how true that is. People all across the world recognize the name Abraham. Uh, even not just the, the Jews and not just Christians, but, but even people in Islam, they trace their lineage back to Abraham. So Abraham is recognized having a great name as Father Abraham all across the world. And it has been for years. So that was part of his legacy that God kept for him. But the second part of the legacy was this. He says, so that you will be a blessing. God blesses Abraham, but it's not just so that Abraham could consume it to himself. God, God blesses Abram, so in turn, God would use him and he could be a blessing to other people. Now, I know he did it in a different way than, than what will probably happen for us. I'm sure of that. And we'll talk more about the full meaning of that in just a minute. But guys, as men and as fathers and all of us as Christians, if we want the right kind of legacy, we need to have the legacy not just to where God blesses us and we keep it to ourselves and we consume it to our own lust. We need to have the legacy where when God blesses us, we turn around and guess what? We bless others. We, we use it to impact a lost world. We use it to bless other people all around us because we've been called to be a blessing ourselves. And it's a different word that's used the second time when he uses the, the word that's translated blessing. It means to exist, uh, become. It even means a benediction or, or prosperity. It's built on the root word that I talked about a moment ago to kneel and bless God, but it's not the exact same word. So he's telling Abraham, you need to exist as a blessing. You need to be like a benediction, a blessing upon people's lives. And those of us that know Christ as our Savior, that needs to be true of our lives also. You and I need to exist as a blessing to others. Our church needs to exist as a blessing to this community. You need to exist as a blessing to those people that you work with, a blessing to your family, a blessing to your friends, a blessing to the, the community that you live in. You need to be a blessing. You need to be like a benediction, a, a statement on the end of a prayer for others. We need to have that type of legacy, and that's the kind of legacy that was given to, uh, to, to, to Abram, who would become Abraham. He also promised him this. God promised Abram divine support, divine support. Because he said there in, in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse be fully aware, when someone sets out to fully follow God by faith, you're going to have some opposition. It, people will get deluded about that sometimes, and they'll think, all right, I have, I, I've admitted that I'm a sinner. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I, I've, I've changed my life. Everything's going to be great now in my life. I, I, you know, I can have a wonderful life and not face any difficulties and problems. That, that's not what the Bible teaches. Talk to Job. Talk to Paul. And see what they faced. When you and I sell out lock, stock, and barrel to fully follow God, we will face opposition. There will be those that oppose us or curse us or dishonor us. Just like was said here to, uh, to Abram, who became Abraham. The word for dishonor means to make light of, to be swift or sharp against, to consider as trifling, or vile. Well, you think about the world that we live in today. I know your name's not Abram, my name's not Abram, but we're his spiritual descendants. We're followers because we've trusted Christ as our Savior that births us into the spiritual family of God. One day we'll actually sit down at a, at a table with Abraham and, and all those heroes of the faith. He, he told Abram, that there's going to be people that will dishonor you. And if they do, he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to curse them. There'll be people that'll make light of you. What group of people in the world that we live in today is made more light of than Christianity? And I'm not trying to whine and I'm not trying to be spoiled sport or anything like that. But look at our world. Christianity is made light of. Amen? 
Our, our culture, the, uh, the majority of the news media, Hollywood, our government even now, it's, it's like we're being made light of, as though we're not important. Every, every, every other, you know, quote, minority or whatever is important, but not Christianity. Every other religion is important to be heard and, and have their values considered, but not Christianity. We're being made light of. But God gave this promise to Abram of divine support. He's saying that when you face that, when you face difficulties, when you face people making light of you, when you face that kind of opposition, God is saying, hey, I'm on your side. And if someone curses you, I'm, I'm going to curse them. See, here's the deal with that. When we come to God by faith, we're part of his family. <laughs> when you trust Christ as your Savior, guess what happened to you? You became a child of God. God is your father. Romans 8 tells us we can call him Abba Father, a term of, of daddy, a term of endearment to where we have God as our father. And that more or less means this in light of what Abraham was saying to God. If someone comes against you, they're really coming against me. You ever felt that, dads, when someone mistreated your children? Some of you nice calm ladies become mama bear. When, when someone goes after your children, God is telling Abram, if you follow me, you're going to be my child. And if anyone comes after you, you've got my support. And as men, as fathers, as Christians in this world that we live in, it's becoming increasingly, increasingly challenging to Christians. We need to recognize something. We've got his support. He's our daddy. He also made this promise to Abram. He made a promise about the Messiah, a promised Messiah. Because in the second part of verse 3, after God told Abram, I will bless you and anyone that dishonors you, I will curse. And after he had already told him this, I'm going to make you a blessing, make your name great, and you'll be used to bless others. Here's the ultimate way that's fulfilled. He said, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a statement of the coming Messiah. That's a statement that one day that Jesus would come. Through this bloodline that's going to be established, as Abraham steps out from this place of heathen worship to follow the true God, and God take Abraham and use him for this nation that became Israel, this nation that became the Jews, from which Jesus Christ himself, God's son, the Messiah, was born into this world. God being his father, Mary being his mother, virgin born into this planet, the Messiah comes through the bloodline of Abraham. God promises him that there's a Messiah on the way. Romans 9, 5 says this, to them, I'm talking about the, the patriarchs and the, the Jews. To them belong the, the patriarchs, the Jews belong the patriarchs. And from the race according to the flesh is the Christ who is God over all. Bless forever. Here's a little side message. I'm not going to dwell on it. But I want to point it out to you real quick because you will talk to people that will say, well, the Bible really doesn't claim that Jesus is God. What does that sound like to you? Who is God for how long? Forever. It is through Jesus Christ that all the families of the earth can be blessed. Dad, if you want to be the best dad you can be, it's not going to come by you just trying to buy all the trinkets and everything like that your children might want. The way you can be the best dad you can be is give them faith in Jesus Christ as much as it depends on you. You can't fully give it to them, but you sure can be an influence, and you can be an example, and you can show them, hey, this is the most important thing that we follow after Jesus, that you have faith in Jesus. The way the families of the world would be blessed, the way Abraham would be used to bless all the world, all the families on the earth, was that Jesus would come, God in the flesh, 
that Jesus would live a sinless, perfect life, that he would be condemned even though he was innocent, that he would go to the cross and he would take the sin of all mankind upon himself and he would shed his blood as full payment once and for all for the sins of all people, that he would take his life back up on the third day and that he would ascend and sit down at the right hand of God the Father and he's there praying for us today. The way we are blessed ultimately is not the junk that we own. It's not the other things that we can experience out in the world. The way our families are ultimately blessed is for them to have faith in Jesus. And God is telling Abraham, all the families of the world will be blessed through you, not because of who Abraham was, but because of who Jesus would be that would come from Abraham's bloodline. That's where the blessing comes from, by faith in Jesus. A promise that the Messiah would come. Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14 tell us this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. We need to be the kind of men, the kind of fathers that take our families with us. We need to take them on a faith journey. That begins by hearing God to start with. By by listening to God, by hearing God. That's the first step of being the man, of being the father, of being the person, being the mother, being the teenager, being the Christian that God God wants you to be. That's the first step for you to hear God. We need to hear God and respond by faith as fathers and mothers. We need to take our family on this faith journey with us. So first of all, we need to hear God. But the second part of taking your family with you is that after you hear God, you need to obey God. We need to obey the call of God. We need to hear his call and we need to obey his call. What value is there in you and I just hearing the call of God? Hearing God's word, hearing God's promises. And then we don't act upon them, we don't don't believe. Genesis 12, verse 4 through 6 says this, So Abram went... As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land of the place at Shechem, the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were still in the land. Abram heard God, and then Abram obeyed God. I want you to notice four things that we need to grab from Abram's example, Abraham's example about obeying God that we need to apply to our lives. Obeying God involves an action. Obeying God involves an action. Not just saying, that's what I believe. (laughs) It's not just agreeing on what the Bible might say. It's not just hearing God's call like Abraham did. What evidence would we have that Abraham really believed God if he had heard God speak and stayed in Ur of Chaldees? Or if he had made that first little move of the journey and he left a... Or of Chaldees, and he, and he went to Haran, and, he, and then he just stopped and stayed in Haran and never went any further. See, we wouldn't have anything to point to. We wouldn't have any real evidence that, that Abraham really believed God, that he really heard God, or that he obeyed God if he only heard and never acted upon what he was told. Abram went, the Bible tells us, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Now, the little phrase, when, in the, in the Hebrew means to go in, in a variety of applications. So you might can say it like this. He, he fully went, and we'll kind of come to a, another picture of that in just a moment. He, he heard God speak, and he fully went. If you read some commentaries on, uh, on Abram's call, uh, you'll see there's a lot of speculation that people have. Uh, as I was reading it, some people was even speculated, well, he made a mistake by even taking his dad with him. Or he made a mistake by taking Lot with him. 
Or he made a mistake by stopping in, in, in Haran. And they make it look like that maybe he was second-guessing himself as though, well, am I really going to follow God or let me stop here in Haran and decide if I'm really going to follow God or not. But you see, the Bible doesn't really support that. That's just people guessing, you know. Uh, it's almost like some theologians decide I'm going to throw rocks at Abraham. Regrettably, we as Christians can be good throwing rocks sometimes, can't we? You know, second-guessing somebody's uh, motive, second-guessing somebody's faith. We're, we're not told that for sure. That may have just been part of the journey where God told him to stop for a few minutes. His dad died there, so maybe his dad was sick, and, and he needed to stop there because of his dad being sick. We're told in just a minute that while he was at Iran, he, he gets some stuff. He, he gets more possessions. He, he gets more wealth. He, he even gets some people that goes along on the journey with him. So it might have been in a divine appointment that God had for him to stop there at, uh, at Haran. So we don't know the full reason, but what we do know for sure is this. By faith, Abram took action and he obeyed God's call. Will you, will you please hear that as a Christian? Thank God for all the truths in the Bible that we can, that we can so endear to our hearts. Thank God for the promises that you and I can put in our minds and we can put in our hearts. But as Christians, we need to do more than just put it in our mind and put it in our hearts. We need to have the kind of faith that affects our hands and affects our feet. We need to have the kind of faith that calls us to do something for God. Not in order that you can be saved. You're saved by faith. You'll see that clearly in Abraham's life here in just a few minutes. We're saved totally by faith. It's totally by God's grace. But surely to goodness in response to Jesus suffering and dying on the cross for us. Surely to goodness in response to God giving us mercy and God giving us grace. That you and I ought to be willing to act upon what God tells us. We ought to be willing to take action upon what God tells us to do. We as followers of Christ need to be people who take action. Believing in our hearts and minds, all that's needful, but it's also really needful for us to believe in God enough that our faith affects our feet and it affects our hands. It affects the way we live our lives. We need to be men and fathers of faith and action. We need to take our family with us. We need to take others with us in our faith journey. Lot went with him. Others were on the journey with him. Can I challenge you just for a minute, me and this morning? I know it's not Father's Day yet, but I, I told you God led me to deal with this topic all the way up to Father's Day. What steps are you taking right now to take your family with you? I mean, honestly, evaluate that, answer that. What steps are you taking in your life as a dad to take your family with you? Well, I bring them to church on Sunday. Good, we hope you do. If you bring them to church on Sunday and then you go and depart from this place to live however you want to live all the rest of the week and they never see you pray and they never see you read your Bible and they never see your faith make a difference in your life, I, I don't think that you've made the choices that you need to be making to influence your family's life the way you ought to influence your family's life. How tragic would it be for us to be fathers and for us to have children to grow up and they've never heard their dad pray or they've never seen their dad read the Bible. We need to be people that are willing to, to, to take action, to believe God enough that we take action. We need to take steps to be sure we're taking our family with us. Second picture of obeying the call of God, obeying God by faith is this. Second part of verse 3, obeying God involves overcoming obstacles. Obeying God means that we're overcoming obstacles and we're overcoming excuses. We already talked about this some early in the message, but Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75 years old. I turned 60 in February. People would, would tell me a lot of times, maybe they're just lying to me to make me feel better. You know, sometimes people would be shocked a little bit. Uh, other church planners, I'm around stuff, and I tell them I'm 60. And they say, well, you, do, you don't look 60. I just smile like that's a good thing, but inside I'm thinking, but I feel 60. <laughs> I 
In my mind, I graduated high school 10 years ago. In my mind. I don't know how I wound up with a 33-year-old daughter. (laughs) And a, a daughter that's 30 and a son that's 24. I don't know where that happened along the way. But at 75, can't you just imagine that when Abraham heard God call him, that he might have thought to himself, God, are you sure about this? I, there are a lot of younger people out there. God, I'm 75. It's time for me just to settle back. I don't need to be pulling up my family and, and, and living a nomadic life and just you know moving and following you to where I don't even know where I'm going. It's time for me to just kind of prop my feet up and enjoy things. He could have had all kinds of excuses because of his his age. But instead, Hebrews 11, once again, we go back in, it tells us this in verse 9 and 10. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, who would eventually be born, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking... Forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. That gives us a picture of the heart of Abram that became Abraham. When, when he heard God speak to him, maybe he realized, hey, this Ur of the Chaldees isn't really it. And when he stopped there, Haran, for a minute, he, he still recognized, you know what, this really isn't it. Matter of fact, when he went to the promised land, he went there by faith, but he lived there like a stranger because that really wasn't it because Abraham was seeking a city that had foundations that God had made. He he was looking for something much more than what this world can, can represent and what this world can give. And you and I, we need to follow God by faith in the same way, by faith, we need to drop the excuses. We need to overcome obstacles, whatever they might be, so we can answer the call that God places on our lives. As I was gone uh, about a week and a half ago, a week ago this Wednesday, and I mentioned it last week, I went for a special training the North American Bishop Board was uh, offering because where I work with church planters over a five-county area, they've changed the way that they're, they're, they're training uh, church planters, so I had to go and be trained in that so I could use that to teach new church planters. And there's a man there by the name of Ken Holland, Ken of Holland. And I've known Ken for years, so, but, but the, you know one of the, the strange things about Kenneth being there for this training to teach church planters? Ken is 76 years old. Ken worked full-time years ago in Florida for the Florida Baptist State Convention, planting churches. Then he went to work for the North American Mission Board. And then he retired, retired, in Hendersonville. But he's never fully retired because he works on a contract basis with a Baptist State Convention. And has ever since he retired. He's a member of First Baptist in Hendersonville. That's a very large church because, get this, First Baptist in Hendersonville has over 800 senior adults. That's a retirement community, so there are a lot of senior adults, but that church has also a lot of young people. Kenneth is brokenhearted because he looks at all those 800 senior adults and he sees the potential that they still have and the wisdom that they still have and the difference that they can make. And yet... They've retired. We had a little luncheon to uh, honor Kenneth while we were there at the training uh, because of all his years of commitment. He's not stopping. We didn't. We weren't telling him it's time to stop by the luncheon. But I knew Kenneth's burden, and I even told some people at the, at the Baptist State Convention. 
while we were there. I said, you know what? We need to honor Kenneth's legacy. And we need to maybe make a mission videotape of him and how he's lived his life since he retired. And send it out to all the churches in the state that they can play it. And get an example of how, even in old age, you can do a lot for the kingdom of God. Caleb, in old age, after they had to wander in the wilderness for years and years and years, said, I'm just as strong as I used to be. I want to take that mountain that God's promised me. And I know we have a lot of you know, people my age and under. And we have uh, some, though, that are, that are senior adults. I want you guys to pray for me. Maybe we need to plan a special ministry for our senior adults. Maybe every state, every church in the state needs to plan a special ministry for our senior adults. But my main point is this. I'm not trying to preach to the senior adults. I'm just telling you that if Abram at 75 years old was willing to listen and follow God, what excuse do we have who are younger? What excuse do we have not to hear God speak to us and obey God's voice? It it involves action, but obeying God also means we need to get over the obstacles and the excuses that we have that we try and come up with to keep us from being all that we need to, to be. So men, dads, granddads, let me ask you a question. Have you settled for something less than God's best for your life? Are you willing to try and hear God and get over the excuses and drop, get over the obstacles and drop the excuses and do what God's called you to do? Because also obeying God by faith is this. It's an all-in decision. It's an all-in decision. Verse 5, And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their possessions that they had gathered and all the people they acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. Does that look like an all-in picture to you? He takes everything and everyone. Abram is all-in in this call of God. He, he, he takes his wife. He takes his nephew. He, he takes all the possessions that they had. All the livestock that they, that they had, all the wealth that they had, all the people that they acquired in Haran. Some people say, well, that meant that he had slaves there, and it may have, because that was part of their culture in that day and time. doesn't mean that it was necessarily right in that day and time, but it could be slaves. It could be people that they told about God. While they were there in Haran, God has called us to go to a place we don't know where we're going, but we're excited about it. Why don't you come and go with us? It could have been people that they had actually told the message about hearing from this God and going to a promised land. But undeniably, you look at what's said there, and you have to say this, Abraham goes all in. Imagine the difference that your life would be, and my life would be, and your family's life would be, and our churches would be, and our communities would be, and our nation would be, and our world would be, if every child of God, if every Christian, if we had decided to go all in and take everything with us on a faith journey. be a different picture, wouldn't it? Our churches would be different. Your lives would be different. My life would be different. Our world would be different if we would go all in. Obeying God also involves this one last thing. It involves determination. Determination. It may not be all that easy. It involves determination. Second part of verse 5 and verse 6. Then they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem, the oak of Mori. And at that time, Canaanites were in the land. Get, get the full picture here. Abram leaves a place that was filled with the worship of idols or of the Chaldees. God calls him out of that place of heathen worship. He says, I'm going to take you to a place that I'm going to show you. 
And God deposits him in another place of heathen worship. Because the Canaanites were still in the land. And the Canaanite religion involved the worship of idols. It involved fierceness many times. They had groves set up across the country to the countryside to their Canaanite gods. It was a fertility type religion. In other words, they were kind of worshiping sex also. Isn't that a strange thing to you that God took him out of a place of the worship of idols, heathen worship, and he brings him over here and he deposits him in a place where all that is still taking place? Because I think we delude ourselves into thinking God calls us out of this and he brings us over here to where life is wonderful. And there's no trials and there's no problems. But the truth of the matter is this. God calls you by faith to leave your sin, to leave the place that you were. Because he wants to use you over here for his will and his purposes in another place that's also filled with sin. And that's why we have to be determined as we live by faith in the culture that God has placed us. So we won't give in to the influences. Instead, we'll recognize that God wants to use us to make a difference in this place he's called us to. When he first went through Canaan, when he first arrived, he went through and he stopped at Shechem. Shechem literally kind of means this. It means the place of the shoulder. The place of the shoulder. That's where he, he stopped. Aren't you glad that by faith we have a shoulder to lean on? That we have the shoulder of God that we can lean upon. And we need to lean upon him because you see, entering Canaan isn't a picture of going into heaven. When Joshua and the children of Israel went into the promised land, some of our songs and hymns that we do, we make it sound like we're crossing over Jordan, we're going to heaven. That's not what it was a picture of. Instead, it was a picture of living victoriously in the place that God has placed you. Abram was deposited in a dangerous culture, in a difficult place, with Canaanites being all in the land. But it was a place of a shoulder. The oak of Mori speaks of a tree, possibly a grove of trees. Some theologians think it was the name of a Canaanite. Maybe it could have been a hill with trees on it. Also, there's some history involved with that that was named after him. But the root word means this. The root word, the oak of Mora, means an archer is shooting forth something or a teacher shooting forth teaching. Some theologians believe that underneath that oak, because the Canaanites were still there, and since the Canaanites had places of worship that they had set out in the groves, altars to false gods, to fertility gods and things like that, all across the, the land, that maybe also at this oak that was a place of of Canaanite religion that was taking place. No, we don't know that for sure, but that's what they surmise. But if that is the case, look what Abraham does. We'll talk about this next week. That for us to be the men that we need to be, not only do we need to take our families with us, we need to be building altars. And wherever Abraham goes, you see him building an altar, and when he doesn't build an altar, he gets in trouble. Every time. So Abram comes into this heathen country and he goes and he builds an altar. Potentially right where there was an altar built to a Canaanite God. He was that determined to follow God, believe God and, and, and follow him and to stay committed to God even in this, this place of heathen worship. 
In closing, I want to point out something very important for you. And I've saved it until this part of the message on purpose. And that's simply this. Abraham's call from God was all by grace. It was all by God's grace. It was God's mercy and God's grace that Abraham received a call from God. Remember what I told you earlier in the message, what we've talked about a couple of times? He was living in the Ur of Chaldees. He wasn't a good person. He wasn't God's person already. He wasn't a person of faith already. He was living in a heathen culture where they worshiped idols. There was nothing about Abraham that warranted that God should call Abraham or call Abram to become Abraham. It was by God's own volitional will. It was by God's own choice. It was by God's grace that he extends this call to this man that was worshiping idols and calls him to follow him. I want you to get these important verses and then we'll close and have our invitation. Romans 9, verse 15, 16. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. So it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. God chose him himself. Abraham's righteousness wasn't based on law or good works, because in Romans 4, 1 through 5, what then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham is justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? The Bible says this, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages would not be counted as a gift, but as something he was owed or something he was due. And the one who does not work, but trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. In other words, Abraham was saved by faith, not saved by any works whatsoever. Romans 4 verse 9 and 10 we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. In other words, he wasn't saved by obeying the law either. Circumcision, that mark in the flesh, is not what made him right with God. It had not even been instituted yet. The law had not even been given yet. The law would not be given until over 400 years later. Abraham, who gives us a picture of God calling someone and saving them by faith has nothing to do with the law. It has nothing to do with good works. It is all based upon faith. Galatians chapter 3 verse 16 through 18. Now the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. It does not say to offsprings referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. That is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God. In other words, just because Moses got the law later, that's not doing away with God's original plan. God's original plan was grace. So as to make the promise void, for if the inheritance comes by the law, it's no longer, it no longer comes by the promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. The reason I saved it till now is this. We're getting ready to do this thing that churches call an invitation. You need to recognize and you need to fully understand that you cannot be saved by your good works. You cannot be saved. God does not call you because you're so beautiful. God does not call you because you're a good person. God calls you out of his own choice, out of his own mercy, out of his own grace. You cannot be good enough for God to save you. You cannot be so bad that God cannot save you. Because thank God it's of grace. Amen. It's by faith in Jesus and faith in Jesus alone. Let's pray. Father, Father, I pray you help us this morning right now that you would deal with each of our hearts. Lord, as we work toward Father's Day, I pray you speak to us each week and you, you, you nudge us each week as men, as fathers, to be the kind of fathers and the men you want us to be. Father, I pray you help us to look at the life of Abraham and see how he stepped out on faith and challenge us as men to step out on faith. Challenge all of us as Christians to be willing to, to step out on faith, that we need to hear you. 
We need to be willing to hear your call, to hear your voice. And then we need to respond by obeying. We need to take action upon what you call us to do. We need to drop excuses. We need to overcome obstacles. We need to understand that that you're the one that supports us, that you're the one that's calling us, that you're the one that sees the end picture. We don't. We just see the the current. Sometimes we don't even understand the current circumstances. God, help us just to trust in you by faith. Call us to be men who take our families with us, who take our friends with us, Father, if there's anyone in this place that does not know Christ, I pray in those last few minutes you help them to see they can't be good enough, but neither are they too bad for you to reach them. You reached down to an idol worshiper in Ur, and you called him to be the father of the faithful. Father, I pray you reach down right now and speak to hearts of anyone who may not know Christ as their Savior. Touch their heart. Call them to you. Help them to walk away from their past. To step by faith toward you. Recognize it's all of your calling. It's all of your grace. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our invitation is always open to everyone, of course. But since we're dealing with men, and since we're dealing with this series, as we work toward Father's Day, I want to challenge you men that are in here, whether you're a father or not, I want to challenge you to come and pray that you would be the person of faith, the man of faith that God wants you to be. And if you are a father, pray that God would help you to be sure you bring your family with you to heaven by faith in Christ. I want you to come and pray for your friends and pray that that, that you'll be the kind of person that by faith will reach out and and touch your friends and touch the world around you and draw them to follow you by faith. Ladies, the invitation is open to anyone. You've got friends, you have family members. What are you doing to bring your family with you? If you need to pray about it, please come. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.